why did the man order a chicken and an egg off of Amazon? To see which one came first. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is episode 120. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. It's time to catch up with Kaylin. A lot has been going on. Last Sunday was Mother's Day, so happy belated Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. I hope everybody had a wonderful Mother's Day celebration. How did my Mother's Day go? Well, I know some moms want fancy purses and shoes. I got much needed muck boots. <laughs> if you don't know what those are, they're, they're for working on the farm or in a lot of muck. <laughs> on Mother's Day, I did remind my husband that he was supposed to cook breakfast. And around the third reminder, he finally got out of bed. <laughs> I did get a handmade card from my kids that was very adorable. And now that I'm closer to my family, I got to hang out with my mom and sisters on Mother's Day, which was very, very special to us. My sister, Rael, hosted a hamburger cookout. Don't worry, her husband did the cooking. And then with the hamburgers came margaritas and strawberry shortcake. It was all very tasty and great memories were made. I did buy wood to make garden beds. Haven't put them together yet, <laughs> but I'm one step closer. I almost bought bag dirt at the store until I did the math and it was going to be $200 worth of dirt all in plastic bags and I just did not want to do that. So I called around and found that the place that I took my compost all last summer, it's called Green Cycle, they are actually a mulch, rock, sand, dirt kind of place where you can buy it by the cubic yard. They also do composting on the side, so their dirt was literally half the price of that at the big box hardware stores. And there's no insane amount of plastic bags wrapping the dirt either. So a double win on my end. And that's on my list of things to do this weekend. So I'll run down there and do that. It's <laughs> The part that stinks is that it's like 45 minutes away. So it's quite a drive to get there, but I think it's worth it. Once I get the dirt, I can then go shopping for some vegetable plants, yay! Since I attempted gardening last year, I have joined Facebook groups for gardening, read some books on gardening, lots of Pinterest and YouTube videos on gardening, and I was super excited to do my own garden this year, but because we moved during prime springtime, I was unable to start plants on my own from seeds, so now I'm going to have to buy the plants, but it's definitely on my bucket list of things to do for next year is to grow more plants from seeds. I guess, well, I take that back. I did do that last year, but I grew like four loofah plants, some garlic and onions. And that was really all that I grew from scratch last year. So my goal was to do a lot more this year because buying the plants when they're at the three, four month stage and you can just put them straight into the ground, you it, your chances of being more successful at gardening are a lot higher versus when you do it straight from the seed, but it is a whole lot more pricey. <laughs> Plus, I also just want to know that I can do it, that I can do it from the seed from beginning to end. That's my goal that I want to achieve. In the end, because of the move, my goal has now been delayed to next year. Oh, I also wanted to share that I found an app called Planter 
just P-L-A-N-T-E-R, planter, where you can design your own vegetable garden and it will tell you when to plant, where to plant, full sun, in the shade, how often to water it, the spacing for the plants, how all the companion planting things work, which plants can and cannot go beside each other. That's the companion planting thing. Now with this app, there is a free version, which is what I used, but you can also pay for an upgraded version and do like multiple garden beds. I'm just doing one, which is what you're allowed to do for free. You can do one garden bed for free. After that, you gotta upgrade. But that's fine by me, I just need the one. Oh yes, and another update. Our super expensive brand new lawnmower that we got, I want this to go on record that my husband mowed with the zero turn mower and stated, Mowing is no longer a chore. It just got really fun. <laughs> so that's now on the record. Later on in the summer, when the fun wears off, I will happily remind him of that. So Sustainer Nation, everybody remember that. <laughs> that it's now really fun. <laughs> Which it is. I took a turn on the lawnmower and it is really fun. Because that sucker goes fast. <laughs> You're kind of like racing all over the yard with it. And the back half of our property has tall grass, which is hiding swampland, which you don't see until you start mowing it. And the mower totally got stuck on its second use. It's currently been stuck for about four days. Now we don't have a tow strap. We just moved out to the country, so we don't quite have everything that we need yet. <laughs> My husband does have a truck with four wheel drive, but the chain that we currently have, we'd have to get the truck very close to the mower and that means we're gonna be risking getting the truck stuck out in Swampland. So it's been sitting there for about four days cause we're just waiting on the sun to do its work and dry up the mud so that way we can actually get the lawnmower out. The good news is I got to thoroughly test out my muck boots trying to get the mower out of the swamp. And man, those things are awesome. <laughs> they are really, really awesome. The good news is the past two days have been in the 90s, which is almost insane for Indiana in May. Usually it's August by the time you hit 90s. So I don't know why it's so hot all of a sudden. <clears throat> Climate change. <clears throat> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> but that's good because the earth is drying up quicker. Unfortunately, one of our AC units is bad. So that 90 degree weather does suck just a little bit. In the last episode, I alluded to a future plan of raising chickens. So I called up a good friend of mine who raises chickens and did an interview to learn all about it. As much as I would like to do it this year, I think this may be a good goal slash bucket list item for next year because we are still getting established in the new house this year. But I still wanted to learn all the information and share all of it with Sustainer Nation. Please listen in on my interview with a good friend of mine, Sarah Sexton. So I have on the line with me, Miss Sarah Sexton. She's a good friend of mine. We used to be coworkers. And when she took on a new job opportunity, she was still living in the city in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we maintained our friendship via Facebook, as most people do when you don't get to see each other in person every single day anymore. And then one day, Sarah moved to a farm. So Sarah, how, how did that happen? <laughs> So it was something that we have been talking about for a long time. We wanted to get to a point where we could raise our own food and living in a subdivision. Um, we didn't feel like we could do that for a family of four. Um, we had a few garden boxes, but 
not really enough space for what we wanted to be able to do. So we started looking for a property and it just kind of fell in our lap. So we have almost five acres and pretty much jumped into raising our own food as soon as we got here. All right. Well, congratulations on the new home. How long have you been farmer sextons? <laughs> um, we moved out of our house in Greenfield last year um, in July. So we've been here almost a year. Okay. And then from what I've seen on Facebook, the first animal that you brought onto your farmer that you tackled, I guess, that you, that you attempted raising was chickens. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. So why chickens? Why start there? Well, honestly, because we got a really good deal. <laughs> right? That's, that's, that's my motivation as well. <laughs> so I went to Rule King to buy boots and left with 28 meat birds. <laughs> I had been researching, um, raising Cornish cross meat chickens and wanted to take it on. And they had a group, they had 28 left and they were getting a little bit bigger. They had marked them down to 25 cents each. And so I called my husband and said, Hey, they have a really good deal. Like if ever there was a time to fail, let's do it for 25 cents instead of two ninety nine. And so we just jumped right in with 28 meat chickens. All right. Okay. So what, what time of year do you start raising chickens? So you want to do it when the weather is warm. We still put them on a heat lamp, you know, when they're little, they require heat, but anytime in the summer. So we just started our first batch. We have a batch going now. And can pretty much do it all the way through fall. When we got our batch last year, we butchered them in October. So pretty much throughout the summer. So you buy them as little baby chicks, not eggs. How long does it take to raise the chicken before you harvest it? So it depends on the breed. We choose the Cornish cross because they have the quickest maturity rate. So start to finish eight weeks. You butcher at about eight weeks. Oh, that's really quick. I was thinking it was like multiple months, but I guess it's really just two. Yeah. Um, so eight to 10 weeks, they pretty much are fully grown and ready, ready to go in the freezer. Um, most of our birds, we did ours, um, I would say between eight and nine weeks, something like that. And most of ours were about five pound chickens once they were all dressed out. Okay. So you were at Rural King, you got this deal on chickens and you brought them home, did you already have a, what's the setup that you need to start with chickens? <laughs> so they call it a brooder and um, it needs to be similar to like a broody mother hen. So it needs to be warm. So is a brooder like a house? What's a brooder? Yeah, it's like their cage, I guess. What we ended up doing, we had an old water trough that was left here and I just made like a lid with chicken wire and some scrap lumber and made a lid. We put some pine shavings in the bottom of this water trough and a food dish, a water dish, and a heat lamp. That way they stay warm at night. And that was pretty much it. It was, we just used stuff that we already had and kind of put it together. My daughter played with the chickens in the yard while I put all of it together. And then that afternoon we put them in their new house. So you used a heat lamp to keep them warm. What's the temperature range that you're going for? Like, do you need one heat lamp? Do you need two heat lamps? Like, how do you know which heat lamp to get? They sell the heat lamps in the chicken section at the farm stores. So pretty much it's, I mean, they sell like the lamp piece and then the light bulb. So you can pretty much go to the chicken section and know what you need. We kind of let the animals tell us if they group really close together, you can tell that they're trying to stay warm. They're not warm enough. So you can lower the light. 
and they will go to the light if they're cold. If you have too many chickens, I mean, you would probably want to get a couple of heat lamps just so they can group, you know, accordingly. Obviously, if you have 100 chickens, one heat lamp's not going to be enough because they can't all fit in that area to get heat. But we kind of could tell if we needed to raise or lower the heat just by watching the behavior of the chickens. You can tell when they're warm, they lay down, they look comfortable. And then when they're cold, they're all like shivered together in a pile. So we pretty much kind of let the animals tell us what they needed. As far as like a specific degree, I don't know what that degree would be that you're looking for, but we just kind of watched our chickens and provided heat when they needed it. And then obviously in the, in the really hot part of the day, making sure that they have water and good ventilation so they're not too hot. So basically the first couple of weeks is just a temperature battle, making sure that everybody stays comfortable. That's kind of ends your part in the brooder area. And then we moved ours out. We wanted them to be on pasture and have some free ranging going on. And so we moved them out to what they call a chicken tractor, which is basically where it's a cage with no bottom. So they're always on pasture, but they're contained and and safe from predators. How big is this cage for them to all fit and run around in? The ones we have now, we have a lot of birds going now. So it's bigger. I think Miles built them 10 by 12. So 10 feet by 12 feet. It's like a giant rectangle out in our yard and it has chicken wire all around it and then he has um, some sheet metal for roofing so that they're protected from rain if they want to go to this it's half roofed and half just chicken wire so they can get sunlight they can be out in the open or they can crowd underneath and be underneath a roof okay so either when they're a few weeks old or the weather is warm enough that's when you can transfer them outside Usually once they're getting feathers, you know that they're ready to kind of go out on their own and you can take them off of the heat lamp. Okay. So when they're in the heat lamp, are they in your house? Are they in the barn or where do you have them when they're at the the little baby chick stage in the brooder? We've done both. Um, I started uh, the batch that we have out in our yard now. I started on our sun porch because it stays pretty warm out there. It has a lot of windows. So sunny days, it stayed really warm. And we got these earlier. We heard, we ordered them from a hatchery. That's kind of another interesting thing. I had 200 chickens shipped to me via the U.S. Postal Service. (laughs) So like live chickens in a box. Yeah. Like they had little holes in the box. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This side up, live animals. Yep. (laughs) The post office called and said, hello, we've received your 200 chickens. You can come pick them up today. And I'm like, okay. So yeah, I had 200 chickens. We actually shared a batch with our neighbor. So we ordered 200 at a time and they send 200 little teeny tiny chickens. It was in two boxes and the boxes were quartered. So you had like 25 chickens per quarter and they're usually about a day old when you get them. So the hatchery sends them basically as soon as they hatch. So you get really tiny, tiny little babies. So I did start this batch on my sun porch. The ones that we got last August, our first chickens we did out in the barn pretty much wherever you want. So the ones you did last year, those are the ones that you got at the farm store, Rural King. And so they were a little bit older already. Yes. Okay. So these new ones that you're doing right now are from the hatchery. Yes. What is the name of the hatchery? Is it like an online, you just go online and order your chickens or how does that work? It's kind of old school. I actually called them and placed the order and then they just mailed them and I mailed them a check. So it's called Eagle's Nest Hatchery. And there are multiple, there are several different ones, Um, but these, this one is from Osceola, Ohio. And I called on a Wednesday. I picked up my chicks at the post office on Friday. So it was like a two day, a two day ship. 
Oh, so you got, so if you place an order, you got to be ready to receive them. Yes. And we were not. And that's why we had heard from friends that they were three weeks like booked out, like that we wouldn't be able to get them for three weeks. And when we called, she said, yeah, I can have them there on Friday. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll be ready. So I quick threw together a, bro a brooder with some plywood because I knew it was too cold to put them outside. And so I threw some plywood together on the sun porch and some heat lamps and made a little makeshift brooder until the temperature got better. Okay. So both sets of chickens from last year and this year, they're in the brooder, then they go to the chicken tractor. Yes. So I know there's like chicken coops and roosts and stuff. Do you need any of that stuff or like, was, well, I guess you got meat eggs, meat eggs, you got meat birds. Maybe that's the difference since these are not egg birds. I'll let you answer the question. I'm just taking random guesses here. We, after we did our first batch of meat chickens, we did go ahead and buy laying hens. We knew that we wanted to have chickens that laid eggs. Meat birds are bred specifically for meat and they really don't have any other purpose. You're not really going to buy a Cornish cross meat chicken and expect it to lay eggs. They usually don't live long enough because they don't have good genetics. Their genetics are specifically to get really quickly big. Like that's all they do is they just grow really fast. And so we did go on to get some laying hens and we did build a coop in our barn and pretty much it's the same thing. I mean, once they're fully feathered, they can go into the coop. So you would still start them in a brooder, just like the meat birds. Once they're fully feathered um, and the temperatures are decent outside, you can put them into the coop. And with, for that, we just basically put chicken wire up to keep them protected and feeders and waterers. And then Miles built some nesting boxes so that they had a place to lay eggs when they were ready. So you built your chicken coop inside the barn. I, for example, don't have a barn. And I know a lot of people, especially there that during the pandemic started doing like backyard chickens. Yep. What, what is needed to make a chicken coop if you're going to do a backyard chicken or if you don't have a barn? Yeah. I mean, depending on how many chickens you want, they need shelter, obviously. So any little type of shed or even like a large dog house, if you only had a couple chickens, they spend most of their time outside during the day and they really just need a place to go in and stay warm and dry and protected at night, especially from predators. That's a big thing with chickens, raccoons, possums, minks, weasels. Those are kind of the main coyotes. Those are kind of the main chicken predators. So you want to be sure that they are protected and have somewhere really secure to go at night. And then a lot of people will build a run because you also have to worry about hawks during the day or owls, things like that can kind of swoop in and take chickens. So some people build a run that's just kind of a frame with chicken wire. And that way the chickens can be outside in the grass, but protected. So the run has like a ceiling on it to stop. So it's got like a... Just chicken wire all the way around. Okay. So chicken so wire walls, chicken wire roof, it's just... So they're out, they're getting sunlight, they're eating bugs, things like that, but they're protected. Okay. And then a little bit of a shelter and that's pretty much it. I think that's why a lot of people went to that is because they're fairly easy, low maintenance animals. So if I have a chicken coop, you, you just like open up the door and they can run around free on their own. If you don't have a run, they can run around free because they're outside on the day. How do you get them back into the coop? So they know if a chicken spends 24 hours in a spot, it kind of calls it home. So for us, like 
even when ours were in the brooder, we let them out every day to free range because we wanted them to have that kind of start to their life of eating, eating bugs and worms and all the good stuff. And so we had them trained to go, they will return back to roost at night to go to sleep. And so we had them trained to go in this one area of our barn where we had the brooder set up. And then we moved them down to the coop once we got it built. And so we had to leave them in the coop like for 24 hours. And then they kind of start to call it home and they will go in at dusk every night and they'll find their little spot to sleep. And I just go in and lock the door. Oh, okay. Something, a couple of more questions. When you get the little baby chicks and they're in the brooder, you have to feed them food and water. What's the food that you feed them? Um, it's just called chick starter. It's basically what you feed them the first few weeks. And then you can switch to, um, they make meat bird crumbles for the meat birds, or they make layer crumbles if you have laying hens. The meat bird crumbles obviously have a higher protein content because you want those animals to have more protein and, and grow quickly. And then the layer crumbles obviously are less protein and kind of have a balance of what a laying hen would need. So they would eat that, but then they also, as adults, would go out and eat the bugs and stuff. Do you have issues with them getting into your garden and eating your vegetables? We have chicken wire up around our garden. We don't because we have it like fenced off, oh, but okay. I'm sure that they would. <laughs> I'm sure they would <laughs> definitely jump on whatever they could as far as vegetables go because they love vegetable scraps. So you can feed them like your vegetable scraps left over from your dinner table. You could go out there and feed them that. Is there anything yep. that you cannot feed them? I wouldn't feed them chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's both for moral and or like, I don't right. know, I guess, I don't know if they can handle that physically, but morally it's weird. <laughs> um, another thing that I found interesting is you can feed them their eggshells back to them and it's a good calcium source. They do require some calcium to produce the the shell of the egg. And so we, you know, can crack our eggs, make our breakfast eggs, and then we save the shells and we crunch them up because we don't want them to peck the good eggs. And so we crunch them up so they kind of can't identify it as an egg anymore. And they go crazy over eating their own eggshells. Do you just mix it in with their food or you just throw it straight on the ground and they go for it? We just throw it straight on the ground and they just go crazy over it. Oh, okay. All right. I have heard that with chickens, and I shouldn't say that I've just heard. I've also, I lived in a small town. I did not live on a farm, but I have visited friends on farms and driven by farms and chickens can be quite smelly. What do you do to deter the, the fragrance that chickens produce? Well, the more that you let them out to free range, you don't have that mess inside your coop. Pretty much we wake up in the morning, like today, my chickens were out at eight o'clock this morning. So they're out all over my yard. Their poo is all going to be everywhere else and not contained to that coop. And if they stay out until they basically go to roost, that's very little droppings that are going to end up in the coop. So that's one thing is just the free ranging. Um, you don't have it contained to your inside area. Some people put down lime and get like the lime dust and that's supposed to help. Some people do a deep litter method where you put down fresh shavings and then you can compost those shavings, use them in your garden for fertilizer, whatever. When you say shavings, do you mean wood shavings? Yeah, like pine chips or cedar chips. Okay. I mean, any type of wood shavings, but you just continue to put a layer down every time it gets kind of smelly and dirty. And then you only have to clean out your 
coop a few times a year, once it gets deep and really dirty, you can scoop everything out and kind of start over. But that way you're not constantly cleaning your coop. You're just kind of putting fresh shavings down. Okay. Cause I guess with the little knowledge that I have, I know you can do straw in the coop, but I've also heard that straw is not good because it can get like, once it gets wet, it can get moldy and stuff. And somebody else had done sand in their coop. Sand is a popular one. They say to get like the less fine sand, like you wouldn't want to get playground sand because it's too fine. So you can do like the construction sand. It's a little bit more of a chunky sand. And I think that has to do with the chickens actually like eating it and it kind of going through their system. You wouldn't want it to be a super fine, gritty sand. But yeah, a lot of people use that construction sand and then they kind of do it like kitty litter, like they sift it. But yeah, that would be another good option. So with predators, it sounds like the best way to deter predators is basically to protect the chickens and have them very well fenced in. I saw a video on Facebook. It was a TikTok video, but it was on Facebook and it was an ad because I was scrolling through. It wasn't anybody that was following. And this girl goes in and she's trying to get at the chicken, trying to lift the chicken up to get the eggs. And she's like, what are you laying on? And she moves the chicken off to the side and you can see this black stripe and she grabs it and it's a snake that had (laughs) wiggled its way into the nest and she lifted up the snake and she's like you don't belong in here and she just walks the snake like holding in her hand just walks it out sets it outside and she points you can see like where the snake had eaten an egg because it's like a perfectly round shape right in its belly I was like I did not consider that being an issue with chickens and, and kudos to the girl, because I would have been more terrified of the snake biting me. <laughs> so I don't know how I would have done that. Have you encountered any issues with pests, snakes, or any others going on with your chickens? Um, we have two livestock guardian dogs, um, and they pretty much take care of anything on our property. So um, we had an issue when we did our first batch last year. Um, we left the meat birds out free ranging and my husband came home and there was one dead in the yard and it looked like a bird had gotten it. Um, because the birds don't leave much of a trace of anything other than some feathers. Like there'll be a few feathers in your yard and that's pretty much it. Um, so we don't really know what happened to that chicken, but we did lose one out of that first batch. And then, um, we had a chicken get attacked and a mink or a weasel, like will start at their head or their neck and so we had a chicken that had an injury on the comb up on top of her head and we tried to nurse her back to health she ended up not making it um but a couple days later there was a weasel pelt out in our barn that the dogs had gotten so we're pretty sure that a weasel had gotten her and so pretty much our coop we have I mean you want just want to look and make sure that all of the nooks and crannies are filled in you have a whole I mean, a mink or a weasel can get through a pretty small hole. So you want to make sure that that it's all secure, that you're looking at the corners and kind of all the nooks and crannies. Um, I've even seen people like on their runs, they will leave extra chicken wire that kind of comes out into the yard away from the run so that predators can't dig underneath because oh okay yeah, obviously like a weasel or something like that could dig under and kind of sneak underneath the run so just making sure that all of the nooks and crannies are taken care of I also have heard that 
a raccoon is considered to have like the intelligence of a three-year-old. So if your three-year-old could open something like a door or unlatch something, um, it's not secure enough. So you could toddler test your coop. If they could get in something, then so could a raccoon. Uh, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so I've got the perfect age range right now to test that out. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do you have to worry at all about pests on the chickens, like fleas or ticks or anything? Do you have to treat them like you would treat your dogs? You don't have to treat them, but you do have to worry about mites. The best thing to do is be sure that they have dirt available to them because chickens bathe themselves by taking a dirt bath. Um, we have an area in our barn that they have kind of made their dirt bath area and it's just a dirt barn floor and they have kind of dug out a little a little nest looking area in the dirt and they will go in there and kind of flop around and get the dirt all through their feathers and that is how they kind of clean themselves and keep mites away oh okay we have never had any issues i have heard of people getting um like their chickens getting mites and even getting like mites that were visible in the coop like on the walls and on the floor. We've not ever had that issue, um, but our chickens are pretty natural. I mean, they have dirt available and they're out free ranging. And so I feel like that is kind of one of the things that helps is they're not cooped up in the coop all the time. They're out kind of taking care of things how they naturally would. Okay. I didn't realize about the mites. So we discussed the different birds, egg laying versus meat birds. So if you have egg laying birds, how do you get the eggs? Because I would be completely afraid that the chicken's going to peck at me. So how, is, there, is there a trick <laughs> to be injury-free? So most of them lay in the nesting boxes and then just leave. I could go out right now and probably collect eight or 10 eggs at this time of day and nobody's in the nesting boxes. Like I let them out this morning at eight o'clock. They'll run around the yard. When they feel the need to lay, they'll go back into the nesting boxes or occasionally random places in my barn, but usually the nesting boxes and they'll lay their egg and then just leave. So you can collect when they're gone. This time of year, you can get a broody hen, which is when they think they want to have babies and they want to lay on the eggs. And that's usually when you get the, the kind of grouchy mama hen who wants to peck because she doesn't want you to take the eggs because she sees those as her babies. We look at ours, like we will go ahead and stick our hand in. And if they peck us, they peck us. It's not a big deal, but we want ours to have babies. So if we see them laying, we try to leave it. Most of ours will lay on the eggs a couple hours and then get up and go back outside. So we've not had anyone have babies yet, but we're hoping maybe this summer, but usually it's, they kind of sense the temperature. So usually this time of year is when you have the grouchy hen that's sitting on a nest. So it's not going to be every single hen wants that. It's just every once in a while, you'll have a hen that wants to continue sitting there. Yeah. And I've heard people say different breeds are more broody than others. And some people don't want, you know, if you have a, if you build, like you were talking about building a small area, you build an area big enough for four or five chickens. You don't want them to have babies because you don't really have the space for them. Or maybe you only want a handful of eggs a day. You know, you're just trying to do the minimal, we'll have a few chickens, have a few eggs. You obviously don't want all of those chickens constantly reproducing. And so people will kind of try to snap the chicken out of being in that broody state where they think they want to sit on the nest because they, 
they kind of commit themselves to that nest and stay on it. I've heard that sometimes they only leave the nest for 15 minutes a day to go get food and water and then they're back sitting on. So they will deprive themselves of nutrients just to raise these babies. And so if you don't want the babies, you have to collect your eggs every day or try to pull your hen off the nest and like discourage her just sitting like that. Another question that I have for you is when it comes to roosters, are you only allowed to have one? Because if you have more than one, then they fight. Or do you even have to have a rooster? Because I hear that they go cock-a-doodle-doo at ungodly hours of the day. (laughs) So what is your advice on roosters? Well, you do not have to have a rooster. Someone once asked me, do you have to have a rooster in order to get eggs? The answer is no. The hens will lay eggs without a rooster. Having the rooster that we have, we've learned so much about how the roosters take care of their flock. We got Abraham. He was our first rooster. We got him before we had hens. So he had kind of made this his home before the little chicks grew up into chickens. And he takes care of them. And you can you can see certain kind of natural things that he does. He will show the hens where food is if he finds something. Um, maybe it's kind of a muddy area and he can see some worms. He will make a certain sound and all the hens will flock to that area and like start to eat the food that he showed them. If they're all out in the yard, they all pretty much stay around him like he's their little bodyguard. If a bird flies over like a hawk or a larger bird, he will make this screeching sound and all the hens will run to the barn and take cover. So they're a really good protection We haven't had it. We haven't seen this happen, but I've heard that they will even fight to their own death to protect their hens. If a hawk was to come into your yard, your rooster will go and fight just to protect his flock. So they're kind of gentlemen. I would, I would recommend getting a rooster. We love ours. We can see the benefits that he has like for the ladies. And also we want baby chickens. So if you want your eggs to hatch, you have to have a rooster. We also have three We have two that were raised at the same time from the same batch of chicks that we got, and they tend to get along with each other, but Abraham has claimed all the ladies, and so he does not allow them to interact or socialize with the rest. So the two roosters that we have, they stay in a different part of the barn. We don't keep them in the coop. They actually roost up on our pig pen, and then the rest of our chickens with Abraham all go into the coop every night. So everybody just kind of learned their place, but we don't really have any trouble with them fighting. Okay, well, that's good to know. So you can get the roosters when you order your baby chicks, you could get roosters within those chicks and not even realize it. Yes, they call that a straight run. And that means you never know what you're going to get. It could be 50-50, like you could have half roosters, half hens. Um, if you buy pullets, they're supposed to be hens okay so that's kind of the difference like if you're if they're labeled if you go to you know tractor supply and it says like barred rock pullets those are supposed to be females if it says barred rock straight run it means what you get is what you get (laughs) so if you order egg laying breeds then you really want a lot of hens because the roosters aren't going to be laying eggs but if you order meat birds it doesn't really matter you can eat male or female Yes. And your roosters will get a little bit bigger. So there's kind of a benefit to having roosters in your meat bird mix. Okay. When your meat chickens have grown up eight weeks later, depending on the breed, I guess, and it's time to harvest, how, how do you harvest 
<laughs> both what are the physical steps and how do you handle it emotionally? Because I think I'd be attached to the chickens after a while. Emotionally, I think you have to start knowing that these birds serve a purpose and their purpose is to be a meat bird. And so that's kind of what we what we established with our family. We have kids. And so we told our kids, like, you can play with them. You can love them. You can treat them well. However, they have a purpose. And so their time on our farm will come to an end and they will end up in the freezer. So I think just knowing that from the beginning, kind of just changing your mindset. As far as physically harvesting, I think the the coolest part that we learned is there is a cone and you actually put the bird in in the cone upside down and its head hangs out the bottom of the cone and you can just gently slice their neck. The blood drains out and they just kind of pass out. It's very humane. It's not super dramatic. They just kind of sit in this little cone. And once the blood drains, we dip them into hot water, which allows the feathers to come out easily. And then we have a chicken plucker machine. And so it's kind of looks like a washing machine base, like the drum of a washing machine. And it has these little rubber fingers. And so as this rotates, it pulls out all the feathers. And then from there, we rinse them off. We set up a whole thing outside. They have to be gutted. We have to cut their heads off, cut their feet off, and pretty much put them into ice water right away. And then I bring them into the kitchen, clean them up just a little bit further, and we put them in a freeze bag. So after you butcher and package the chickens, you just store them in a deep freeze? Yep. Do you have to do it yourself or can you pay somebody else to do it if it's too hard? Um, You can pay someone else. We actually looked into that. We were trying to do it to save money. And so by the time you have invested the money to purchase your chickens, feeding them the whole time, and then you're paying someone else to butcher them, it got a little bit pricey. And so we opted to do it ourselves, but there's an Amish family out near where we live and, and they do it you know, for, I think it's, I don't know, $3 a chicken or something like that. They'll, they'll go ahead and package them up for you. So when you package them, like, like how do you package them? You store them in a, like a big freezer Ziploc bag, or how do you, how do you package it up? Um, you can buy a poultry bag um, and it actually shrinks up. So like the chickens that I have in my freezer look very similar to a Tyson chicken, like how it's packaged at the store. You dip it in hot water and it like shrinks up like a normal chicken that you see at the store. But yeah, the packaging will just shrink right up to the chicken. And I just ordered those off Amazon. Do you notice a difference in the taste between a store-bought chicken and the ones that you raised? Maybe slightly, but I couldn't really describe the difference. It's very similar to what you would buy at the store. I guess in terms of cost between a store-bought chicken and doing it yourself, because even though you did get your chickens on discount at 25 cents a chicken, plus the food, plus the brooder and the all the supplies, it can be a bit pricey, but a lot of that stuff would be reusable. So it's just like an initial startup cost. Do you have like a ballpark if I had absolutely nothing? Because I know you use a lot of stuff that you already had. If I had absolutely nothing, do you have like a ballpark startup fee? Granted, there's still inflation going on, so it could change tomorrow, but <laughs> just like what would what your guesstimate be? I don't know. I mean, you'd need a feeder, you'd need a waterer. It depends on what type of setup you did. You know, we took some half sheets of plywood and threw a brooder together for super cheap. Um, you can also buy them like off of Chewy or off of Amazon. 
and they're pretty pricey, like a hundred dollars. I mean, it just depends. You could do it really inexpensive with scrap lumber and kind of putting it together yourself. Another good option if you only have a few is to use like a large Rubbermaid tote. Um, they're really easy to clean out. It's cheap. Um, and so if you only had a few chickens, you could just use like a large Rubbermaid tote, put some pine shavings in the bottom. So you, I mean, it just depends. It depends on what you want and how many chickens you're doing would be where your expense is calculated. Right now I have five chickens on my sun porch and a Rubbermaid tote. And they've been very inexpensive. It's a small amount of pine shavings because they're in a small area. And we used a ball jar with like a $3 watering attachment. So, you know, you can, you can look for ways and make it really inexpensive or you can go big and really make it an investment. I would say up to a couple hundred dollars. Do you have recommendations for resources for somebody like me who's very clueless and wants to get started? I mean, this, this interview has been phenomenal. Do you have books or magazines or websites? Like, where did, where did you learn all of your information? We have used YouTube and Google a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot. I feel like I Google something new every day. Chickens do get illnesses, and so there was a time when we had some laying hens that weren't acting quite right. So I was Googling like, what if my chicken looks like this? What if my chicken does this? And so we've learned a lot by Google. Um, there are resources on social media. So I'm part of a couple chicken groups. There's one that's Indiana poultry. And then there's one that's called backyard chickens, which I think is international. So backyard chickens, people post things all the time about problems that they have or solutions to problems. So you can learn a lot from other people. We did an audible homesteading book. Um, every night when we went to bed, we would listen to a chapter of an audible book. But really, we've, we've watched a lot of YouTube videos, just seeing how different people, I mean, how different people butcher. Some people don't use the cone method like we do. They tie their feet to a clothesline or a tree branch. And so you know, people do things differently. So I think it's, it's kind of neat to look it up and just watch a few videos and see what other people are doing. So you moved from the city out to the farm and chickens were your first animal. Now we'll just do like a real quick summary. What are the other animals that you have added to your farm since the chickens? So we added livestock guardian dogs to help protect our farm. So we have a male and a female and then we got a dairy cow. Her name is Eleanor. So we have a Jersey dairy cow that we milk every day. Let's say maybe in January, February, we added two little pigs. We have a couple of barn cats. Oh, yes, we have turkeys. So I really, it's always been a goal. I always thought it was very cool when people go hunting and they kill their own turkey and then their family can have it for Thanksgiving. I've always thought that was so cool, but we are not hunters. So um, I am raising turkeys this year in hopes that we will be able to butcher turkeys and have them for Thanksgiving. You're doing turkeys. Are you going to do any other poultry like ducks or guinea fowl or anything else in the future? Probably not. Uh, not for meat. Probably just the chickens and turkeys. We do have ducks, so we get duck eggs from them, but I probably wouldn't take my ducks for meat. Well, thank you very much for your time, Sarah. I appreciate it. And I think it's important to note that you and your husband still work full time and your kids are in school full time. So your farming is, it might feel like a full time job, but you really only get to tend to it like a few hours a day. 
Is that how you balance your life? <laughs> yes, pretty much in the evenings. Um, that's our time to feed our animals and milk our cow and get everything done. And and then we we take the weekend and try to try to do little projects. So when it comes time that they need an, a new coop or whatever, when we were doing that, we would do those things on the weekend and just try to make the most of our weekend time. But yep, pretty much evenings and weekends. But there's nothing better than fresh eggs, fresh milk and cream in your coffee, ice cream. You're probably gonna be getting some fresh bacon pretty soon, I'm guessing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. It's really awesome to look at the chicks that we have started as little day old chicks. And so you raise them for, you know, four or five months before they ever lay an egg. So it's really exciting when I come in and I have like several dozen eggs on my counter and fresh milk in the fridge. It makes it all worth it for sure. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your future endeavors in the farm. I love following you on Facebook. You're very inspirational. And now that we have moved out to the country and have acres, of course, we don't have a barn or anything. We just have a house and land. So we have to put together some stuff, but that is future goals. Right now, our goal is to just find our garage because it's full of a bunch of boxes and totes and things. <laughs> Hey, we're still there. We moved almost a year ago, but we moved on to animals. And so we still have boxes out in our shed. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. 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 The box unpacking those boxes. Now that we're two weeks in, like I can feel the motivation dropping each day, each day. It's like, I'm like, if I just do two or three boxes a day, I'll knock this out. And I was like, Nope, I'm not even motivated to do one box today. In fact, I feel like I'm just moving boxes from one room to another, but I haven't actually unpacked any of them. <laughs> I feel like it never ends. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, thank you again very much for your time. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your lunch break. You got like four minutes left. All right. All right. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. All Good right. to see you again. Yes, thank you. Thank you again, Sarah. She works from home during the week and was able to meet with me during her lunch. <laughs> so I really do appreciate that. I think she got some food in at the last minute there. After I stopped recording with Sarah, we kept talking for a few minutes. And then I had the bright idea to ask if she had any rookie mistakes to share, lessons that she had learned. And she did share some excellent advice for newbies and beginners. Number one, and she cannot emphasize this enough, lock up your coop. It's very, very important to lock up your coop and make sure it is secure at night because there are so many predators that can get in after your chickens. And then number two is to know the diseases and preventative measures before your chickens get sick. In her experience, her chickens started getting sick and then they started looking up all the information and once they got the sickness, it was really a challenge to save them. But the preventative measures were actually very, very simple, as little as putting antibiotics in their water. That's all they had to do. <laughs> but by the time that they noticed it, it was too late and they lost a few chickens that way. So those were her two harsh lessons learned. If you decide that you want to raise some chickens, keep those two in mind. Also continue to do all the learning that you can. Lots of YouTube videos, Googling, join Facebook groups, get books, magazines, whatever it is that you gotta do. Just learn as much as you can. That concludes our episode, which means it's time for the next challenge. Let me draw a card here and it says, 
Research companies that use sustainable palm oil in their products and try to avoid those that don't. You know, I don't think that I've actually done an episode on palm oil and why it is so bad. And there are sustainable versions of it, so we want to support those companies, but the ones that use the bad or the unsustainable practices of harvesting palm oil, I think that needs to be addressed. That is now added to my list of future episode topics, and I'll try to put one together for you soon. Next time on the show will be May 30th. So tune in May 30th. That's Memorial Day weekend. Everybody have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend in advance. So I'll be launching the episode on Monday, May 30th, because I release them every other Monday. I don't expect you to listen on Monday, especially if you have the day off. But Tuesday morning, please listen in on the next episode. We're going to talk about something that both my husband and I enjoy in our tiny amount of free time. We like to watch a TV show called Homestead Rescue. And there's one episode that I watched in particular and thought to myself, hmm, I really need to do a podcast episode on that. So tune in on May 30th or the next day, Tuesday, which is May 31st, (laughs) to listen in to me talk about the environmental damage from coal mines. As always, it's great, wonderful, fine, and dandy talking to all of Sustainer Nation every other week. I hope that you learned some really fascinating information about chickens. Hopefully it has encouraged you to try raising your own backyard chickens if you have the space and adequacy and time (laughs) to do so. If you currently raise chickens in your backyard, take some pictures and share it on the Starting Sustainability Facebook group. Let us know about your chickens, how many you have when you started, what your areas of expertise are, or if you're a beginner and you need some help, it's a little tiny sustainable support group. That's the design of the Facebook group, is to help each other out and figure out the sustainable journey together. I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy the holiday weekend coming up, and I will talk to you all again on May 30th or the 31st. (laughs) Have a great one, Sustainer Nation. Bye.